begins now. Capital 263. Welcome to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. My name is Christopher Farai Charamba. And I'm Tawanda Henry Beatty. And yeah, welcome to the best political podcast in the country. Yeah, you know this, probably Southern Africa, uh, the whole continent actually. Let's just claim it. Let's just claim it. You got to uh, this week, we've got a, another dope episode for everybody. It's the 14th of May, 2017. And in studio, we have Mr. AC Lumumba, who's joined us. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we, we hope to have a very... Uh, fruitful and exciting conversation a lot of people have actually said when are you guys getting ac on the show so so <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> so some people are actually already ever ever <laughs> controversial because <laughs> we, we we've had normally on the show a couple of times and she's um, a star isn't she yeah no she is she's she's a very fiery character mm-hmm. so from there you know people wanted to know okay so Let's have AC. Let's hear what, what's going on with AC. Right. Well, well something I, I want to get off the bat uh, real quick is, like you said, it's the 24th of, of May. 14th of May. 14th of May, sorry. And that makes it Mother's Day in Zimbabwe. It is, it is. So indeed. I want to take this chance to wish your mothers a happy Mother's Day. I want to wish the listeners' mothers, uh, if they are mothers who are listening, I want to wish you all happy Mother's Day. And of course, the mother above all mothers uh and that's the mother to my son i want to wish uh, a very uh happy but uh, happy mother's day together with, with my mom so yeah i'm happy i mother's thought you were about day. to say dr may there i was going to be really disappointed oh well, you know she's a, she's a mother too so you know happy mother's day to dr may and dr Mutrangirai and all, the, all the women who are married to politicians who are doing well or not so well for our country uh happy mother's day to everybody and uh yeah i'm um, I mean, the, the reason I did, you know, just as a disclaimer, why I haven't been doing any interviews, as you would have noticed, but the reason I decided and agreed to do this one is I have always been, I've always pushed for young people. Mm. And I, I think there is a space in this country which we have to make exclusive for young people of this country. Now, ordinarily, you guys would struggle to get the bigger interviews from anybody else. You know, in fact, it's easier for the mainstream media to get interviews than for you guys. But I believe there is no one we should be pushing or supporting more than you guys. And I want to congratulate you for this setup you guys have got here. You know, I know, I know Tawanda well. You know, we just met today. Uh, but I just want to say thank you guys for what you're doing. I appreciate it deeply. We don't always have to agree on everything. But what... I definitely agree with you on is that this platform has got to be the biggest platform in Africa. And if there's anything I can do or I can encourage anybody else to do, I want to do that. So well done. Keep it up. It's going to get tiring, but don't stop because this country needs you more than you think. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that. All right. So uh, let's let's get into it. What's yes. AC been up to? Uh, last we heard mm. uh, you were in South Africa, mm-hmm. um, in and out of South Africa. You, I want to know what's happening with your court case as well, mm-hmm. um, because those are some of the things that the media has been picked up, right. that's been picking up. So what's AC been up to in the past, I don't know, year or so, since 2017 started? Okay, so when from I spent literally the last 10, 9 to 10 months of my life doing one thing, which is pushing the agenda that young people have got to participate in politics. You know, I started making this noise before anybody else started making this noise. Now what seems like a common chorus is something I've been pushing from the get-go, and that is young people have got to begin to participate 
in the political dispensation of their own country. So that's what I've been focusing on. But what happens with this focus is you have to, it's trial and error. So you have to try a lot of different things and see what works and see what doesn't work. But you should never be afraid to let go of what doesn't work and move on to what does work. Uh, I'm particularly focused right now on young people who have made it clear that they intend to run in 2018. So those are the young people who will then be responsible for all the other young people who have been reaching out or trying to participate in politics. Um, my time in South Africa, I've been spending that time uh, networking with Zimbabweans who are in South Africa, talking to them about how we can work together to put money behind the young people who do want to run. Because the biggest handicap young people are going to face in 2018 is how do they fund their interest to run? How do they fund their campaigns? Ultimately, politics and elections comes down to who can afford to be the other competitor. Very, I haven't seen any way in modern politics where a winner has been the person who had the least money. Normally, the winner of the race is the guy who had the most money. Now, I need to make sure that if young people are going to say we want to run, they have got the most money uh, to be able to build such a campaign. So I've been spending a lot of focus and a lot of time on that uh, in, in South Africa. Um, but yeah, I guess that's what I'm busy with. And, and I'm going to stay busy with this until 2018, the agenda of making sure if there's a young person out there who says, I want to be a member of parliament or a councillor in my country, resources are made available to help them do that. Does this um, mean that the young person has to be an independent or it doesn't matter what political faction or political party they're, that they're running behind? So if I was going to run on a PDP ticket but as a young person, I also needed some support. Would you support me if I was going to be a young person running in ZANU-PF, in MDC? Mm -hmm. Or are you saying the people that don't fall under the banner of the political parties? Okay, so... The, the clearest way to answer that question, uh, Tawanda, is I have a natural uh, selfish interest towards young people who are pushing the same ideology that I push. And that ideology is that Zimbabwe must be a prosperous nation, but the pathway to that place called prosperity is paved by the ideas of young people. The building blocks to that, that get us to that place we all call prosperity, whatever your version of prosperity is, um, that pathway must be charted and built by the ideas of young people. So I'm more inclined to young people who are running, running from that front. Uh, but this is a generational responsibility which requires a generational consensus. It's not, the reason we created Viva Zimbabwe was not because Viva Zimbabwe is the perfect solution, but it's because there was no other vehicle that made room exclusively for young people. If you go to any of the other political parties, at least the ones that we call mainstream, there is no clear pathway of how young people begin to be noticed, how their ideas begin to be heard. So that's what Viva Zimbabwe came out to do. But to the extent of answering your question, so are we going to support all young people? Absolutely. If you're a young person and you have interest to get into politics, I want to make sure you get a shot too. Um, so we're we, uh, supporting everybody. That's why I, then, I now play more with the language of class of 2018. It's a class. And the class can come from different schools, can come from different backgrounds, different races. What should combine us or rather unite us together is we share one common undoubtable interest, which is we all have to be alive or we are all going to be alive in the future of Zimbabwe. Have, have any of these young people like come forward? Are there are they names? Are they, do you have numbers? Maybe you don't want to share names, but are there are they numbers? We've had this discussion on on the podcast before and we've said what are some of the 
uh, things that stop young people from 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 running and money was definitely one of the the main ones um, I always come back to ideology that mm-hmm. a lot of young people don't have an ideology they don't know what they stand for mm-hmm. and that hinders them from then articulating what it is that they will deliver when they come into politics right. so are there any people or any numbers that you said we've got maybe 15 or 20 people so far that we know definitely come 2018 we're supporting okay so our drive has been two pronged you know looking at the young people who want to run as 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 uh, parliamentarians and the young people who want to run as councillors as far as the young people who want to run as parliamentarians we have a footprint in every constituency across the country so there's no constituency in zimbabwe where a young person at least one young person hasn't come forward and said i would like to contest can you guys have a chat with me As far as the councillors are concerned we have just a little over 1000 councillors who uh, who are needed we haven't filled all the interest for all the councillors but that's also because we I think a lot of young people don't even know the very basics of what ward do they fall in you know the young people a lot of young people don't know the difference between a ward and a constituency and a senate um, and these are some of the civic educational programs that we need to roll out to clarify what the what what the variance is But yes, we have 200, over 210 uh, parliamentarian interests. We have, uh, I think, slightly over 300 uh, councillor councillor interests. Uh, but what I also know from from history, uh, rather from experience, is what happens is the closer you get to election day, the more people start to come out. But not only the closer you get to election day, the more people, the more uh, is there's more psychology. The more people see other people coming forward. Then they'll say, "Oh, okay. So I guess if you could go, then I want to go too." So I have no doubt that when the when the time comes, every seat is going to be contested by young people. The question is, are we going to be able to make them win? Now you say we. Who is we? <coughs> okay, so I say we from from two plurals. I say we from Viva Zimbabwe as we, but I say we as young people, as a general young person. You must remember before AC Lumumba is a politician. Before AC Lumumba belongs to Viva Zimbabwe, I'm a Zimbabwean. You know, I'm a Zimbabwean. who is a young person i age 29 years old so i say we about me and you so when when if you decide you want to contest i consider you one of me okay no fair enough i was saying we in terms of we have 210 so far so you mean in terms of viva zimbabwe, viva zimbabwe. As, as as the vehicle that is that is driving absolutely this I, thing i i'm i'm wondering about and um, you know what is the 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 basic criteria for viva picking some of these guys besides being young and putting our hands up sort of the problem with the mdc run councils are these councillors essentially a lot of them weren't qualified or didn't have a, a, a lot of experience in running things and that's what has led to a lot of the degradation in our town and city councils across the country so what are we using um besides the what are you using as a criteria besides the fact that they're young and they put their hands up okay so what you have to you know understand clearly in a democratic setup uh, tawanda is it's not the responsibility of viva zimbabwe to decide what type of a person can run or can't run you know they're not running for us they're running for their constituents it's the responsibility of the constituents to decide what type of member of parliament leadership councillor president that they want we, we you know we we can't dictate anything outside of the people's will so ultimately each constituency must decide what type of uh candidate it has what we can do is prepare those who have lifted up their hands to say we want to run because i could say i want people with 
doctrines or PhDs or degrees only, but if they don't come up, then I don't have them. Uh, so the method we choose to use is when a young person comes forward and says, I take interest in running, I would like to be deployed under the banner of the party. We then go through our own orientation program where we train them and equip them in the areas we believe make up a good leader. We can't give them anything else except leadership, uh, leadership tuition because everything else is going to be constituency-based. I'll give you an example. The members of parliament, um, the, the, the electorate of Kariba, which is a net, uh, which is a fishing economy, their needs and desires from parliament is very different from the needs and desires, legal needs and desires from the members of parliament from Marlborough. So you'll find that in Kariba they'll say, well, we want a law that favors uh, free imports of uh, fish nets. And then you'll find that law is not necessarily the same law when you come to Marlborough. So I cannot dictate anything as far as what type of person comes up except the ability to teach them what they must do with the needs of their constituents. And that is my focus, training them once they've come up. Uh, okay, I want to ask on, on, on the issue of Viva. Um, yeah. Now that you've mentioned that Viva is the vehicle that would be driving you know, this, this initiative, how, how, do you, how do you balance people's perception of Viva? Because at the launch last year, you came out and that's when you said, F you, Mr. President, um, fuck you. And that caused a whole storm. And it became this perception of Viva of, you know, is this a bona fide insti uh, organization? Is this something that, you know, has credibility or has the substance to drive something going forward? A lot of people then say, ah, but AC is very controversial. All he likes is the media spotlight. So how, how do you then get people to trust that this is something that they can be involved in and that it will function to the outcomes that people want to get out of it? I think you have to be able to categorize and clarify which people you're talking about. Because when you say people... Which people? Even young people like myself, right? right so, so, I, so I was at the launch of, of what you call it. And I, I, for the first, you know, half hour or whatever it was, you were, you were giving your speech. And it was, and everything was, okay, I'm listening. This is very interesting. I'm, you know, thinking about it. And then you pulled that stunt. I'll call it a, a stunt. Right. And for me, everything then at that launch became about that specific stunt. For it, you? For me, yeah, okay. right? And it pulled away from what Viva, or what it was you were saying before, mm -hmm. right? And then I then start to question, well, was that, was that a necessary stunt to pull? I'll probably even ask you why it was that you, you, know, you ended up saying it, because it drew away from the broader argument of what Viva, I think, this is my personal view, but I also believe there are other people who share my view. They might not be the majority or whatever, but I think you know, that's a view or something that I think needs to be addressed, which is why I'm asking it. Okay. So your view is just as valid as the next person's view, including an opposite view mm. to mm. yours. And I, I think, agree. you know, the idea and beauty of democracy is that everybody should be allowed to have a view. Now, that also includes me. Mm. It also mm. means I should be allowed to have a view the same way you're allowed to have a view. Now, I made it, I'm glad you said you were there. So I made it very clear at the launch that, my function to the extent of delivering a Viva Zimbabwe speech, I did. Mm -hmm. I finished it. I announced that I finished it. 
my exchange of banter, which I choose to call it, with the president was from a personal preference position. I was speaking on behalf of Lumumba, and I also made that very clear. I mean, you were there, so you'd have heard yeah. me say, mm. now I am speaking on my own behalf. Again, remember, these institutions we're talking about, so, you know, whether it's Viva, whether it's MDC, whether it's ZANOPF, whatever institution it is, before people belong to these clubs, they are their own people. Now, I have my own personality, which is the personality I am allowed to also represent. You should never be, find yourself in a place where you think a political party is a homogeneous entity. And this is the trouble I think exists a lot, where people say, oh, because you're in Viva, you're this type of person, or because you're in ZANOPF, you're this type of person. It's, these are not homogeneous entities. You can be in ZANOPF and have your own ideas. You can be in MDC and have your own ideas. You can also be in Viva and have your own ideas. Now, to the extent of what I think matters, I think what matters is when you as Chris have to go and vote, you're not voting on what Lumumba said or didn't say. You're voting on what you want your future to look like or not to look like. The trouble we have, and it's not just you, it's actually, I think, a generational thing. We've become obsessed with big men politics. We've become obsessed with what did Lumumba do, what did Tenaibiti do, what did Maimujuru do. And we spend so much time talking about people that we don't spend any time talking about what these people want to do. Now, I am not running for political office. Remember that. So I don't want your vote. So there's, there's no point you think you having an opinion on me. It doesn't matter. I need nothing from you. I want nothing from you. What I need you to be worried about is in the next election, how are you going to vote to define your own hopes and your own futures? Now, if I happen not to be your choice, that's also okay. But then the question I then have after that is if I'm not your choice, are you then willing enough to say, me as Chris, I am going to lift my hand up and say AC doesn't do it too well, I can do it better. What matters is how are we moving forward? Because you, you can pick one part of, you know, of what I said on one day and you can pick one part of what Mugabe said on one day it's so retrogressive because we're not going forward. We're just constantly talking about what happened in the past. I, I agree, but you can't deny that we have a... It, and it is a crisis, it's a problem of personality politics in this country. Maybe even, you know, wider in the whole of Africa. Where you have this big man situation. Mm -hmm. where, and in this country, it's far worse. You have personalization of political parties. Mm -hmm. And that's just a perception that exists within the society, mm -hmm. right? So... And which is why you then have statements like one center of power, which I've stated countless times on this podcast that I'm extremely against because it takes away, as, as you uh, put out from the fact that political parties are not homogeneous entities, mm -hmm. right? So that, th that perception, though, exists within the society. How are you working to work against that perception, especially with relation to you and with relation to Viva and the work that it is that you're trying to do? It's very simple. You have to, you have to create you know, the opposites of power or rather checks and balances. And one of the things we push as a political institution is anyone who's running for political office, uh, public office, that is, cannot occupy a party position. So you cannot be... So, for example, I'm ch I chair the party. I cannot be chairman of the party, and then I'm also an MP, or then I'm also a councillor, or then I'm also a senator. There has to be a place or a point where there is checks and balances. So as long as you occupy a position in the party, you are exempt or you are barred from contesting for a position publicly because the party has to keep tabs on you. And the only way we keep tabs on you is if we're not conflicted at the very same time. The reason you have such things as one center of power is when you have a president 
who's the commander-in-chief of the defense forces, who's the first secretary of Sanopf, who's the one center of power, who's the, you know, he occupies, you know, he, he holds in his hands the keys to all the doors. It's very difficult to talk to him about what's happening in any of those, do in any of those doors because he holds the keys. So how we deal with it is we simply separate the two. So while you find me chairing the party, for as long as the party wants me to chair it, I cannot contest in any public office. Should I decide I now want to be you an MP, I now must relinquish of one position so I focus on the other. And I think that's how you manage the idea of, uh, the idea of Superman in politics. I think, um, you know, I agree with, with that sort of method of organization. Well, two things do then immediately come to mind, um, particularly given the whole situation and the context of Zim that we're, we're in. Um, clearly, Viva is a youth party. You may have 210 candidates, but you don't have a presidential candidate at the moment. Mm -hmm. And even if you, as chairperson, was a presidential candidate, you still fall outside of the constitutional mm -hmm. uh, means. Um, so are you looking for a presidential candidate? Or are you going to join the coalition of opposition parties? Because essentially, whatever you say, whatever else, it may be a youth party, but it is a youth opposition party. Mm. Okay. So, so, so a couple of things you've, you've raised there. One is who is our presidential candidate, and two is are we going to join the coalition? Um, so let's talk about who's going to be our presidential candidate. You must be a presidential candidate based on the deployment of the people. So some sort of Congress must ascertain that we nominate Chris to be the presidential candidate. Uh, or Chris can then say, that type of Congress, I would like to be a presidential candidate. Now, we haven't really had that. Uh, for reasons I wish were not there, we haven't been able to fund the Congress, we haven't been able to mobilize or organize it together yet. So yes, we, we don't have one yet. And if we had to support one, leading to your next question, are we going to be join, joining the coalition? The trouble with this coalition is, I don't know, what, I don't know exactly what we're joining. Uh, what, so maybe you can school me a little because I am completely clueless on what we're joining and what that thing which we're joining has to do with the aspirations of young people, number one. But number two, how on earth this coalition intends on beating ZANO-PF in the next election? Um, I don't know. A lot of people would say that, you know, the coalition, in fact, it's my personal view as well, that the coalition is the best chance that any of us have in beating ZANU-PF um, in 2018, purely because by sheer force of numbers, by sheer unity, um, you'd be able to defeat this monolith that's ZANU-PF. So I think that is one of those situations that and, and, you can't and, and, and find out, you can't find, you can't find... You can't find out what what is in the in the coalition for Viva without being part of those discussions, without being part of the talk. So is it not a situation where you know these things are still ongoing? It's a very fluid situation. Shouldn't you want to be at the table to hear and learn? And this goes, you know, for everyone. I'm, I mean, I talk to I'm talking in terms of other, you know, not not necessarily opposition, but other activists and everyone like that. You can't you you don't know what it is about but you have an opportunity to go to the table and hear while it's being formulated. Well, well, so do you not think that trouble, Viva... Henry. It's not that I don't know what it's about. They don't know what it's about. Okay, so from the get-go, you know, from, from, from the idea of NERA, and I don't refuse to participate in these things because I'm a, you know, I'm a selfish narcissist who wants to beat his own chest, but 
I also like reason that is put in the context of political play. From the first time I was called to come and join NERA, I asked questions that I had no straight answers to, right up until I was called again to come and participate in the conversations about the coalition. And it's the same things that haven't been answered. What sort of questions are so these? So when, when, when the conversation of NERA began, Didma Simtasa was still clearly in charge of it at that point, is I asked, so you, you're asking me to come to the table to discuss pushing for electoral reforms. Can you tell me if you believe that electoral reforms are actually going to come? Do you believe in your head that there is going to be a circumstance where Robert Mugabe is going to change his security chiefs because you've made noise? And no one could give me a straight yes. Then I said, okay, let me ask a second question. Do, where do you get the authority from to go to Robert Mugabe and demand a constitutional mandate that he has to appoint whatever security chief that he, that he wants to appoint. And then there's no way where you're getting this power from. So I struggle with a body that is absolutely no legal basis, that is absolutely no legal mandate, that decides it wants to go and pursue a journey that it knows is not going to come up with any result, but they do it because the donors want the money. I mean, the donors want to see it so the donors can give you money. So when politicians now want to access donor money, they, we begin to create these crazy looking organizations because it appeals to donors. NERA is not going to achieve one electoral reform. And for that reason, instead of spending 12 months pushing an agenda for NERA, I would rather spend 12 months trying to figure out how to win in constituencies. Now, we move past NERA that, and go to the but that, Okay, go ahead. But Tom. no, before you move past that, that logic yeah. seems flawed because you yourself took part in rallies and marches and demos that may not necessarily have been NERA ones. They mm -hmm. may have been this flag ones. They may have all of those things. These are all the same arguments people use against any form of activism in Zimbabwe. It's the you're, same. You're, 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 you're trying right. To, you're trying to push. So, so I mean, are you saying in yourself that your peers, um, uh, Linda, Panson, um, you know, this flag, Pasa E, all these mm. people's uh, work is essentially flawed because they're not going down to the ground to the constituency and, and, and are put, not pushing reforms from the constituency up. Okay. Now, Tawanda, it's very important you separate politicians and activists. NERA is a coalition of political parties that have gone to do activism. Uh, and activism, activists, uh, is, activism rather is being carried out, the other activism is, is referring to is being carried out by exclusive activists who are not necessarily politicians. But let me... But it's disingenuous for those people to oh, not what? say that they're activists, first of all. What, what, what? <laughs> they're not, they're political activists. They're against the government. They're political in their nature. They are. Um, I think it's they disingenuous. It's a false equivalent. The yeah. point I think matters more, which you're asking is, so AC, you've been out there supporting Kudamsa Siwa, supporting Pastor E at some of their rallies, so why then would you say you don't support NERA? Even when I went to support any of these people, before they're activists, they are my friends, and I've always made it very clear, I do not support activism. I do not think activism is the correct pathway to get uh, electoral reform. I think they should be spending that energy on a political process. However, because they are my friends who stand in solidarity with me, I choose to stand in solidarity with them. I am not an activist when you see me sharing uh, a, a Tea Party video. I'm not an activist when you see me sharing a This Flag video. I share them because I resonate with the message. I support what my friend is trying to do. Doesn't mean I necessarily have to agree with it. Surely, I mean, I can support what you guys are doing with this podcast. Doesn't necessarily mean I agree with you. I mean, I've never changed my position on activists. I believe active, there is a space in society for activists, and, and it should not be taken away from them. I am just not inclined to that space. I am a politician 100%. I believe in political processes. I believe in the political game. That's why I play the political game. 
I'm not an activist. I don't understand activism. I don't agree that activism is, is going to bring the result, but I do agree and understand that it has a space to play. Let it play that space. I'm not going to indulge myself too much into what they're doing right or wrong because that's neither here nor there. It's their space, not mine. So yeah, fair enough. So so the coalition. So moving to the coalition. Yeah. So right? so so the, the problem I had with the coalition, um, and I got two phone calls from from the coalitions and from people who I I regard very highly. One from the one both actually are from the M. Well, one is still in MDC. One is now left MDC. But both I regard very highly. And they said, well, you know, come, you know, we want to talk to you. We want to take it, take it to, you know, Dr. Changirai, so we can figure out how to fit you into the coalition. My issue with the coalition is this. The, the last election, ZANO-PF had a little over 2 million votes. MDC had a little over 1 million votes. There is a million vote gap. That's what's there. So the job of the coalition, when you speak of the coalition, you know, Tawanda says it's, the, it's, our, only, it's our only best hope of beating ZANU-PF. So you're talking about this opposition has to create a million new votes. That's the way for them to catch up. And then it has to have more votes for them to beat ZANU-PF. Now, if you ask me, do I think that Maimujuru, Tendai BT, Washman, Ngube, and whoever else is signed onto the coalition, plus Changirai together, create a new million votes? Do, does their coming up create one million new votes in this country? Does it inspire a young person to vote? It definitely doesn't inspire me. It definitely doesn't inspire anybody I know. So no. So why would I then again go to join a situation where, they, where I genuinely believe Robert Mugabe will beat them? Whichever, whichever of those guys you put forward under that, that particular setup is going to get a thorough beating from Robert Mugabe. Why then should I go and spend time on that? when I could spend the exact same time in the constituency making sure that Chris wants to win in Marlborough and Chris has got a chance to take a parliamentary and sit. Because the Chris, you and me have got absolutely, whether you and me participate or we don't, the Robert Mugabe, Morgan Changra, Mamuchuri era will inevitably take care of itself, whether you and me participate or we don't. What we can change is Chris in Marlborough, I can ensure that you win in Marlborough because they can rig the presidential election. I don't know if they can rig all the parliamentary, even I know they can't rig the parliamentary elections. So I would rather put my focus where the small resources we have can afford. So no, I'm not, I, 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 I uh, gracefully uh, thanked them for inviting me. I also gracefully turned it down and I will continue to gracefully turn it down. You will not find a situation where Lumumba uh, at least as a, at a personal level, he said, I am now going to be part of a coalition that's going to get beaten up by Robert Mugabe. All the coalition does is give Robert Mugabe one target. Before he had a lot of targets to, to beat, now he's got one target to beat, makes the life easier for him. And that coalition versus Robert Mugabe, they're going to lose to Robert Mugabe. You can, you can play this back a year from now and we'll see if I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I distinctly, I hope you're wrong, um, uh, comrade. I, I, I never I got really it wrong, Tawanda. Wrong. I never got nothing about policy wrong. I think if you... <laughs> You've run in Hatfield how many times and how many have you won? I, 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 I never got it wrong. In fact, in, in fact so, no. so, 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 so bring that back. So, uh, first of all, you're right that I have ran and you haven't. So, I, I, can, I can school you My a couple, point, I can school you a couple why, of but, things about but running. But I wanted but, you but, to but, use your own experience to see why you should be in the coalition. Because I personally don't think that you are a significantly worse candidate than Mashakada and Hatfield there. But you won, you didn't win, not because of 
of, of that you won because you just were simply in the wrong party for your constituency. It had nothing to do with your personal qualities. Okay, I so, don't so, think so, it so, was. So, I don't so, think. So. I don't think. I don't think on paper he was significantly a better candidate than you. Or you had done significantly more for your for your for your constituency than you had. But I just think that because he was in the right party and he was in Harare, he won. And if you were to then translate that to the whole entire country and you had strong candidates of a coalition in every constituency that they could compete in, you have a serious game on Zanu and you've seen it yourself, is that they're not all all powerful, not all overarching, not all all um all seeing, all knowing. Okay, so so let's let's talk about this uh winning based on your jacket or losing based on your jacket. Um you are absolutely right. So the jacket <laughs> You must, you know, as all of us, we must learn to think of politics from a much grander level than the level we're thinking of it at, at, at right now. So, the institutions that need a Robert Mugabe to stay in power, the organizations or companies that need Robert Mugabe to stay in power, they know one thing, and that one thing is they have to protect the vehicle. Because once you protect the vehicle, you can deal with the individuals later. The individuals don't matter. It's let's protect vehicles, I know, PF, to stay in power, so that once it stays in power, we can then clean our house up later. So come 2018, the focus of ZANU-PF is, is to protect the vehicle. The vehicle must have the presidency. Once they have the presidency, they can deal with everything else. So to the extent of you know, your jacket or, 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 or not your jacket at constituency level, when people say ZANU-PF cannot be beat, this is why I always then differ with them, because you are right. In Hatfield, where I did run in 2000 and in 2013, and I was a novice, I was only a 20, 23, 24-year-old kid, ZANU-PF didn't win. And I was one of the lead riggers. So if with all my rigging <laughs> abilities, <laughs> I couldn't what, rig enough. What, what do you mean you are one of the lead riggers? In what sense? Well, you know, yeah, I, as a disclaimer, I think, I think elections are rigged everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in, the, in the sense that Tapiwa um, Mashakada, could not have one rally in Hatfield during 2013 election. Not one rally. If I saw one of his cars coming to campaign, we made sure there was a shutdown. We would send By the time he gets there, But even with all of that, the reason why he still went on to win is that could only maybe give us an extra 5% margin or an extra 10% margin. But still made sure that the MDC jacket won. But the reason they won in Hatfield, like they won in Kuwadzana, like they won in, 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 uh, in, in, in Harare Central, is because one thing ZANU-PF cannot beat is the numbers. They can, they can beat margins, but they can't beat large numbers. And in 2013, these places, I mean, Tendai beat his constituency, you know, your father, that's one of the constituencies we couldn't rig. You know, when I was in Zanopia, because how do you rig a constituency where your dad is a rock star in, in that constituency? Like a, a bona fide rock star. So no matter what you do to rig the this constituency, you can't rig it. Because the numbers don't lie. And because of that, because of that, I am genuinely convinced that if the, the so-called coalition had the numbers, we would have seen those numbers already. Because all the numbers you're talking about in the coalition are numbers from 2013. When you, in fact, when you really look at that coalition, it's just... MDC 2013 all over again. That's all those numbers. No, no, are. no. I, 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 I disagree. I'm, it's MDC 20, uh, 2008 because that's the last time you would have a really, truly unified opposition on the back of uh, a, a, a disunified ZANU-PF on the back of extreme um, uh, economic 
problems. And that's the, the trifecta. That's what you need. You need a unified opposition. Coalition will give us that. You need a disunified ZANU. The factions in ZANU are probably going to give us that. And the third thing you need, unfortunately, is you need a situation economically and socially that's going to create a, a, a situation where ZANU is not popular, even in the rural areas, because people don't have money. Um, but, um, you know, I think we, you're, you're, we've... Yeah, we've... You see, you're, you're, you're also not, not very wrong. And I, I mean, I, I would like to shut talking about other uh, political parties down pretty quickly, so get back to talking about us. But you, you are right, but the one thing you are also missing, which is a very big factor, Tawanda, is in 2008, you were talking about a very heavily funded MDC. You know, like I said from the very get-go, elections are all about cash. In 2008, MDC had way more money than ZANOPF did. In 2013, MDC was, they had money, but nothing to the extent ZANOPF has. And in fact, in 2018, when you look at the political budgets right now, ZANOPF is definitely ahead on budgets right now than MDC is. So uh, it, 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 there's also a huge money factor there. And the, can this coalition raise money? I think part of putting it together was the sponsors uh, of, you know, the political, the sponsors of the political appetite from the global political, financial political community wanted to see a coalition. But do I think it warrants them to beat ZANOPF? Again, it's something, as, like I said, I would, I'd like us to have this conversation uh, sometime next year after the elections, and I'd like to tell you I told you so. And <laughs> so so your, <laughs> your perception right now is ZANU-PF is going to win 2018? No, my perception right now is ZANU-PF will beat that coalition any day. So who won't they okay. beat? Who won't they beat? Good question. Now, I am of the opinion there has to be another way. I am of the opinion there has to be a third alternative when you start talking about uh, political opposition. I don't think I'm glad we've got these you know, political parties opposition out of the way so now that tells us everyone we should not worry about. What I think is now going to happen is you're going to see and the world trend has shown us this. France has just shown us this. You know, Donald Trump sh showed us this. You're going to have someone who is not in the political setup right now I think or even in the political setup but who steps out of it comes into the open and says I am going to lead a new direction. But this person has to speak to a specific generation, and this generation he has to speak to is a generation of virgin voters. The candidate who appeals to virgin voters is the candidate who wins. I'll give you a casual example. Had the Pastor E moment happened three months before a general election, Pastor E would be president, would be the next president of Zimbabwe. Had it happened three months before a general election, because that hype and momentum and the idea that this person is someone from the outside is what people want. I think there's a genuine, you know, and warranted distrust from the public uh, when they look at uh, the current active political players. So I don't think anyone in the coalition is, 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 is the right candidate. I really wish Tendai Biti hadn't joined because I think he has always been onto something, but I understand the pressure if he ends up do joining or if he hasn't joined already. But who's going to be the next president of Zimbabwe if it can't be Robert Mugabe? It's going to be a third alternative. Not anyone in the coalition. Now, who are the names people are speaking about? I've been hearing the name Kosana Moyo coming up often. He's someone I know, someone I've met. I think Kosana Moyo can absolutely, absolutely thrash Robert Mugabe. He can absolutely do it. Will he run? I don't know. Uh, you know, I've heard James Makamba might throw his hat in. Absolutely, he can thrash. I think anybody can beat Robert Mugabe, provided you've got the correct amount of money. Why do I say these people can do it? Is number one, I believe they've got the ability to raise the cash, because that's that's what I think is the first thing. Number two, 
I believe they have the ability to inspire a younger generation, which is the you and me. They can inspire, you know, you, you Chris, have a higher chance of bringing new voters in the next election than Tendai Biki has in his wildest imagination. Your friends alone make more new voters that you can bring in than Maimujuru can in a wildest imagination. So the ability to make you, Chris, be interested in participating enough to go and get your friends, that, that's what I think wins the next election. So Robert Mugabe can be beat, and he must be beat. I just don't think he's going to be beat by anybody in the coalition, especially Changirai. So um, as a prerequisite to that, we need to get people registered to vote then. We do, because but registering to vote is not that's, hard. That's that's really for 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 really that's that seems to me is where the whole election is going to be won or lost. Is if they if there is not enough pressure um, for Zek to begin registering voting with this whatever system they have within time, then you know otherwise nothing happens. Because we, if we're if we're talking about 2013 numbers, mm -hmm. you can do 2013 numbers based off new voters at all. So you can say MDC, you get your MDC, ZANU, you get your ZANU PF votes. Mm -hmm. We're going to run with people who've never voted before. Mm -hmm. But they have to register. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. They, they, they do have to register. But you don't want to take the headache of getting people to register to vote from a mass scale. So I want, you know, so you live in, in Harare East, uh, Tawanda, and it's easier for me to get Harare East virgin voters to vote if I've got Tawanda who lives in Harare East pushing that agenda in Harare East. But to get Tawanda to try and go and do the same thing in Muzarabani is a very complex exercise because you don't understand the demographic of Muzarabani. You understand the demographic of Harare East. And this is why it is essential to know who are our candidates first. Because the, who, what do you need the votes for? You know, so once you get the votes, what do you need them to do? You need them to vote for someone at a constituency in the ward level. So it's those captains of those wards or those uh, 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 constituencies that need to go and get the virgin vote, uh, the new uh, voters to register. But you can only get to that stage, Chris, once you have identified where do we want these registered voters to eventually vote for. The reason why there will not be an avalanche of registered voters is people will always ask the question, but who am I registering to vote for? What, what's, what's my business registering to vote? I don't ever, uh, you know, and I'm not inspired to register. But when I put Chris in the field and I say, well, in, in, in Greendale, you're registering to vote because Chris is a candidate. They'll say, oh, we know that kid. We grew up with that kid. We went to school with him. You know, we know his girlfriend. We know his mom. We pray with his dad. We drink with his brothers. Then they can register to vote. But also, we, we, our generation, teenage generation, I'll give you an example. <laughs> if I bring Chris Brown to Zimbabwe. And I say, criteria to enter the Chris Brown concert is you must be a registered voter. You'll be amazed how many people all of a sudden <laughs> know where you registered to vote. Which don't, we're now a generation that, you know, before we couldn't pay attention to a one-minute Facebook video. Now we can barely pay attention to a 10-second Snapchat video. Snapchat Our attention span is gone. So, Pastor E's court today was filled the first time he went to court, not because people like justice, but even under Zoom's like them. Those are told us I'm a selfie on that day. How I know ah, that... I've got some dope selfies from that day. <laughs> ah, I've got some dope and selfies. And how I know people were not there for justice <laughs> is the very next day, the Epworth and Mavuku uh, activists were in court on the identical matter, but no one was there in court for them. Because no, what has, we know we're not here for the issue. We're here for the... For the so that's why people were there. But your ability to also make Van Kirwe 
warrants you to be able to get popular. I mean, Donald Trump, he spoke to what people wanted to hear, and today he's the president of, of perhaps the most powerful nation in the world. Um, you spoke about the third way, and it's something that Timba Mliso, another guest who's been on our show, mm -hmm. has spoken about uh, as well. Uh, and his plan to have you know independent candidates in every constituency, mm -hmm. and, and pretty much similar to what your project is. Do you see yourselves converging there? Are there some, you know, is, is, is this something that you think you could work with with Temba, though right. he, so, he so, has so his... Let me, let, me, let me talk about Temba. I've known Temba for quite a while, uh, from when we were both in ZANOPF until um, I participated in him uh, getting kicked out, and then we ended up... <laughs> out, Wait, out you participated uh, in that. You need to tell us the story. I mean, majority of the people who got kicked out as an OPF, I was the kid who you sent to do that. When I, when I say I'm a political maverick, I'm not trying to tout my own horn. You go ask them what they are as an OPF. They'll tell you Lumumba is a bad, bad man. If I want you out, you're gone. You see me in a fight with a bear, you pray for the bear. I don't say that as a joke. I say that as reality. <laughs> you see me in a fight with a bear, you better go on your knees and pray for the bear. Now, but but Joao seems to have tamed you. You always in team. Name me one thing you always done productively since I made it since I left his office. Oh, you are outside. He's still there. <laughs> no, but but he's 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 there doing what? He's there doing absolutely nothing. Oh, but no, he's there eating his money as a minister. My point exactly. Doing nothing. <laughs> I, if, if I was in politics for money, Tawanda, I would still be in Zanopia. Yeah. Remember, Zanopia didn't kick me out. People have this wrong misconception that somehow Lumumba was fired from Zanopia. No, I wrote a resignation letter. And they even tried to make me not go out. Till today, I am still talking to ZANOPF about going back. They still talk about, oh, we know, okay, what can we do to talk about you going back? Because ZANOPF, the principle of ZANOPF is they like people who like to win. So, but I, I want to go back to talking about Timber. We can come back to this later if you like. But I want to go back to talking about Timber. Having said everything I've just said about Timber, he is one of the politicians I have the most respect for. Because Timber is a grinder. I mean... Going after Temba was one of the hardest things we did when I was in ZANOPF. He is a difficult, difficult nut to crack because the boy works hard. The boy is very experienced. He was chairman of a whole province, one of the most important provinces to ZANOPF in any election. So Temba knows exactly what politics is about. Now, now that Temba is out, would I be willing to, you know, do I see a way where me and Temba can work together? I speak to Temba a lot. We, we've discussed uh, areas of how we could work together. I, we just haven't gotten to that point of we, so, so where. I also, um, with all due respect, I say this. I think uh, by default that Temba was kicked out, I wasn't, if, if Temba was given an, an option to go back to Zanopiev. So if Kasukwere was no longer in Zanopiev, which is you know, the real daddy that kicked him out, if Kasukwere was now out and he had a pathway to go back, would he go back? I reckon he would because he's made it very clear his allegiances to uh, Munangagwa. Um, so I think he would go back. Now, that's like, unlike me. It doesn't matter who you remove from Zanopia. Would I go back? No, because I just think it's time has lapsed, and we are now in a different time in history. Um, but I have no reservations against him. I respect his hustle. He's one of the politicians I respect the most. In fact, I respect him more than I respect 90% of the politicians in both Zanopia and MDC. Okay. Um, uh, I think we've, we've touched on, on most things um, and I think a lot of people are going to really just want to know about you. But before we do that, not everyone's going to want to join Viva. Um, not everyone is going to want to join MDC. Not everyone's going to be want to be an activist. Besides registering to vote, what should youth? What's your advice to your fellow youth? What should we be doing? So there's four, there's um, four things. Okay. To sorry, make a, to make a space. There's four things. Yeah, go for it. Everyone has to be thinking about what is my contribution to the next election. Number one, am I going to vote? 
So your, your basic responsibility to vote as a citizen is one thing you can do. Number two, am I going to contest? That's also something you have to be uh, pondering on. Uh, number three, am I going to mobilize money towards the candidates who are running who I support? If you support a candidate, you have to be able to put money into them. If you support Shangirai, put your money where your mouth is. If you support Mugabe, put your money where your mouth is. If you support uh, Tawanda Biti, put your money where your mouth is. Or Tendai Biti, put your money where your mouth is. And number four, can I join a campaign team that helps in the organizing of that candidate's campaign, whichever the candidate you supported? Those are the four ways you can actively get involved in politics as far as 2018 elections are concerned. And for that reason, this is why I keep saying to young people, stay away from all of these other things, you know, all of these activisms, all of these um, nera, what, 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 stay focused on those <coughs> four things. Am I voting? Am I contesting? Am I putting my money where my mouth is? And am I campaigning? Those are the four ways, Tawanda. Those are the four, four ways that okay. matter. So um, that's good. Another thing that um, I think we, we mentioned it, but we didn't. I think we actually mentioned it before we started um, recording. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you about ideology. I wanted to talk to you about, let's say, when speaking in July of, of um, we're speaking in August of 2018, right. and Viva all, all of a sudden has 30 MPs, which is not a majority, but it's enough to choose who the next government is, or it's enough to to tip the balance in right. in in Parliament. Or they have 50 or 70. You're still a chairperson, so you have some ideological direction you're going to take the party in. Um, what, for example, is your your stance on the economy? How would you deal with bond notes? What's your stance on... And these are questions no one has ever asked you, I don't yeah. think. I have never heard you speaking about those questions. People so often just talk about AC, the person. But anyway, I'm interested with you. If, if you had, by, by a malemate position, where he, he all of a sudden finds himself trying to make decisions for, for a, a city council, mm -hmm. um, what are some of your ideologies in terms of uh, social structure, in terms of health, um, education, and the economy as a whole? You know some of the issues we're facing as a country. Of course. So... You know, our fundamental sacrosanct mission is center point to all government decisions must be the prosperity of its people. There is no decision government is talking about, making, or thinking about that should not revolve around the prosperity of its people. The question then becomes, what is prosperity? So we have taken prosperity from the Global Prosperity Index, which defines prosperity you know, in, in, in eight categories, which there's economic prosperity, there's entrepreneurial and opportunity prosperity, there's health prosperity, education prosperity, uh, peace and security prosperity, social capital, um, and uh, good governance. Um, so those are the pillars that I believe we all fall in when we say prosperity. So to increase prosperity might be to be able to access money from a loan so you can build an actual radio station to do this. That's your version of prosperity. That falls under entrepreneurship and opportunity. To my mother, prosperity might, might be to be able to go to hospital when she's ill and she doesn't have to pay huge medical bills. That falls under health. So the eight pillars of prosperity is what we are interested and focused on. Now, what do I think is the actual activities we need to be doing to push the agenda or to pave the pathway with this needs to happen? First of all, I must make a disclaimer. I don't have all the ideas. However, I am very sure that young people, the young people of this country do have the ideas. But you, you, you brought one up, which is the bond notes. What do I think, how do you think you solve the problem with the bond notes? I've said before that the bond notes are a bandage. You had a, you had a wound on your, on your body, and you needed to close this wound, and the only way you could close it 
at that time because of the utensils or tools you had around you was a bandage. So we've put a bandage on the economy and what this bandage has done is it means queues are lesser than they were before the bond note. It means they are moving quicker than they were before the bond notes, but it doesn't solve the fundamental problem. The problem you solve the issue of the bond notes is we definitely do need our own currency in this country. You cannot have an economy that doesn't have its own currency because your own currency allows you to produce. Once we are producing as a country, we are now able to trade because the way the economy works is money has to come in for money to go out. For example, Chris has to be able to go to the bank. When Chris goes to the bank, he has to be able to borrow a loan to come and build a bigger radio station. When Chris is building a big, bigger radio station, he needs someone to supply microphones. He now gives some of that money to me. When you give some of that money to me, you've given me more money. When I now have more money because you're buying my, my microphones, I now have more money to pay my staff. When I have more money to pay my staff, they can buy more bread. When they can buy more bread, they can buy more sugar. When they can buy more sugar, the, our sugar producers or sugar plantations can begin to produce more. So the market is now responding to the money that is coming in from the market. So the only way you get to get rid of the bond notes and go back to our actual currency is we need a lot of cash inflow coming into the economy. So where does this cash come from? If money is what makes the world go around, like they say, uh, where does this money come from? There's a couple of streams this money can come from. Number one, we have a huge diaspora market which puts money, uh, sorry, diaspora population which puts money into the country. We need to build an environment that makes it comfortable for someone who's in Australia to say, I'm going to Zimbabwe and I'm going to put my money in. That means we now have money coming in. Number two, we need to be able to access international financial lines. So we need to be able to go to the IMF, the IFC, and we need to be able to borrow money and be able to access this money. That's another way money comes in. Uh, everybody's in debt. America itself is in debt to China, uh, of you know, almost $3 trillion plus now. So debt, the debt cycle has to improve. And debt is what will ultimately make the economy go around. But we have to... We have to translate or use this date, uh, sorry, this debt uh, with our own currency because only our own currency allows us to control the cost of production. Without ability to, cost to, to, to deal with the cost of production, we can't grow the economy. Let me tell you the problem with not being able to control your cost of production. If you're using the U.S. dollar, for example, this U.S. dollar has to come from somewhere. So let's assume you're buying this U.S. dollar from the Federal Reserve Bank in the United States. When you buy this U.S. dollar, you're buying one dollar, but you're actually paying some money for that U.S. dollar. So already before you've even used the U.S. dollar, you've paid for it. So before you've used it. So you're in debt before you've even done anything with the money. So there is no way your loaf of bread being produced by a U.S. dollar can ever compete with the loaf of bread produced by a U.S. dollar in the United States. Because you have to borrow money from them, pay back money to them, and it's one huge... Uh, bad debt structure that ends you up in that position. That's how you get rid of the bond notes. Um, okay, I think we've, um, we've we've had a pretty long. Yeah, discussion. I think a lot of a lot of. <laughs> yeah, I just I just um, want to to, no, to before ask, before before you go on. Oh yeah, I I just um, want. I was, okay, you go ahead. I was going to say a lot of a lot of people. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. No. I, no I, um, no, I just found it interesting. I think uh, hearing the, the Zim dollar coming back is going to scare a lot of people, but it's good at least you have a plan and at least it's detailed and as thought up. We, we don't have time for me to disagree with you or to pick at some of the points, but at least it's something that I think people haven't heard before. You can now go ahead, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, so my question to you is you've said um, you are interested in getting young people to run and supporting young people to run. You've said that if you decide to run then you'd have to step down for, as chairman of Viva. That is one of the 
structures that you have within Viva. Question is, come 2018, are you running? If you're running, in which constituency do you intend to run? Okay, so come 2018, all else being equal, I am not running uh, because I'd like to spend more time working in the constituencies of young people who have never run before and they don't know uh, what to look for, what to look out for. So I'd like to spend more time investing in young people to run. Uh, I think I'll be more effective that way. Um, so all else being equal, that's what I'd like to do. But if I was ever to run, which constituency would I run in? My passion would be naturally with Epworth um, because that's the constituency I know the most and I care about the most if I had to pick one. But secondary to Epworth, probably Hatfield because that's where I live now and that's where I've kind of been in my adult life. Uh, but either way, whichever constituency I run in, I'm winning. So Why, why didn't you run Epworth in 2013? 2013, the chairman of the then chairman of Zanopia Ferrari province was from Epworth. So, you know, uh, political rank, you know, I was outranked. Sure, um, sure, sure. And then when he, when he committed suicide, as you know, um, the president's niece, Zalera Makari, decided she wanted to run in Epworth. And I ran, I actually ran her campaign. Um, and she won outstandingly. Um, but again, kana mumbi ya mambu ya pina munda mawa, utinda dagura ya mumbi ya mambu. Untu kumbiro ni mambu, na nchi kumbiro ijige, but it's a jigeshe. And last question on someone asked from that, how do you, how do you stop ZANPF from rigging the election? You've said that mm. this is something oh. that happens. So how do you stop it from happening? Because all the, two, 210, all the 210 people that you have in your constituencies, mm -hmm. As virgin uh, candidates, mm -hmm. they're going to have to campaign. Yep, absolutely. Right? Now, if they want to go out and have a rally, or I, I don't know what campaign strategies they are, perhaps you could shed some light on that. But if they want to have a rally, like you said, they can't do that. And these are young people, mm -hmm. right? So how do they work against that ZANU-PF uh, system? And we've already seen they've got the cars, the Fords that are there, ready for campaigns. They've got the buses, the pictures of the buses that we saw ready for campaigns. How do they work against that? I think it's, it's, it's two things. It's organization of your numbers and money. So if 500 ZANU-PF cadres come and they try to disrupt your rally and you have 2,000 people, believe me, I don't know 500 people in ZANU-PF who are brave enough to go against 2,000 people from anywhere. Uh, they are just very, you know, most of the people going to disrupt rallies are just drunk, easy to use, you know, condomized young people in Zanopia who are given a dollar to get drunk and then they're told go. Now, if you have more numbers than they do, your numbers will intimidate them so much that they won't come out. But even if they try to rig in the ballot box, rigging happens in a very short space of time. You know, rigging is between when you open the ballots to start counting to when you close them. That's, so that's from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. 2013, Contrary to what you know, opposition parties have tried to make the world believe, it wasn't as rigged as people think it is. 2013, ZANU-PF genuinely won that election. They just rigged for the two-thirds majority. But they, they won that election. MDC got whooped <laughs> in 2013. Now, <laughs> How do you say they won the election but then rigged for the two-thirds? <laughs> so so, so, when so I, when you're I, saying so, they won 50%. No, they so, so when, when I say win is, is, but is, the other 25%. Yeah, is, is winning is considered, again, it, it, it's how do you judge winning, right? Is it electoral colleges or is it popular vote? They won 50%. So, yeah, so they won, they were first past 50. 
So definitely Robert Mugabe won the election. But in order to win the election, you didn't need, uh, uh, did need uh, first past 50. You now needed two-thirds of the MP seats and the votes that and, and the and the correlation of the votes to now add up to be two thirds of the total amount of votes casted. Now to, to do that, yeah, that needed a little work, and you know, a little work was put in, and a little work. How? Little work what? What sort of work? So it it, it ranges. Eh? It ranges. So I'll give you an example. If you take a constituency like um, like a Kwam and you, you know you go come seven, and what happens is on the, in the electoral line you come seven. You then know that voting opens at seven a.m. It closes at seven p.m. So that means if you calculate that and you say how many people can possibly vote between seven a.m. and seven p.m., you can come up with a number uh, based on the type of demographic you're talking about there. So if I know that two thousand people is all that can vote on that polling center, I can then bring a bus with two thousand people who've already voted or who even haven't voted, and I can put them in the front of the queue from 4 a.m. So by the time 7 a.m. comes, the queue has 2,000 people. And these 2,000 people have a deliberate exercise to just delay everything. So they'll say, oh, okay, I actually I can't remember the name of my candidate. Then they'll say, oh, actually, I can't see. Then they'll say, actually, can you read this out for me? Then they'll say, okay, I forgot my ID at home. I'm going and I'm coming back. So you've got 2,000 people wasting time, and these 2,000 people are strategically behind the 500 that Zano PF would know is their cell members or their party members. So you've got the 500 Vauvar Pinda. Now your 500 voters are behind these 2,000. And they're looking at a queue of 2,000 people and they're thinking, do I really wait in this queue? And now they're like, okay, I'm tired. They take a lunch break. They, they sit down. Everything is just getting hot. And deliberately, the exercise is to delay everything so that then the guy gets out, the ZANOPF person goes in, they vote. And you're constantly behind. And then a little scuffle starts, you know, a little what looks like a fight, but it's not really a fight. And it's not even a fight. You can't really accredit the fight to ZANOPF or to MDC. It's just two people who've decided they want to start fighting. And you can't, you know, it would be, it's not fair to say, ah, one MDC, it's two people who are fighting at the polling center. Now all of your attention is now stuck on those two people. Police say, for three hours, you go back in the queue. By the time it's your turn to vote, it's 7, 7 p.m. and you're now tired, you're like, ah, and the distance you've walked to get to your polling center is so great that it's getting dark, you can't risk walking at night. So you say, you say it's 5 o'clock, I, I need to start going home. You go home. And then the 2,000 people simply get picked up in buses, they go to the, the actual polling center, and then they vote, and you've lost the election. It's engineering. Fair enough. I think, wow. uh, yeah, that's that's the most <laughs> that's the most detailed um, uh, account of how elections are rigged in this of country. One methods, of one method. 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 Yeah. Of one method. Of one method. There's, there's plenty, multiple you know, other ones. But the reason the reason I'm not, I'm not doing a book is you know maybe we might want to read this. So, you know, by the way, I never said I never said I have a problem with reading. You know, I think I think may the best rigger win. You know, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with reading. I think if that's the game we're playing, that is the number game we rig. And let's all read and keep it moving. Wow. All right. Um, I don't know if you have any other questions, Chris. No, I'm done. I'm you want to talk I'm about done. factions, but you know we don't have. Yeah, no, we don't have. We don't have time for that. No, no, we, we're tired. We're tired. We're tired of factions. Um, yeah, we, I think what knows is all the factions in this. Although I, w- I would always be interested to 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 
to know how your relationship with some of the people still inside Zanopiev is going. Because I've always found that a lot of the things that people get shocked at is how close and cordial even opposition and, and Zanopiev members are, whether they're mm-hmm. in parliament, whether Mbakwao. Um, the man newspaper does really give people a real story. Yes, you might be too good at each other in the newspapers or whatever, but people have genuine human relationships that are outside of politics. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know, I'm not going to mention any names, but you know probably some of the mentors you had within the party, how that relationship is going, seeing as you've left. Well, the, I, I guess the one mentor I did have in ZANOPF above everybody else is people know and like to always come back to is Savia Kasukwere. Uh, look, I can't change it. The man mentored me in politics. I entered politics and I got to where I am because he was always there to kind of play the, the big brother. Um, but he was my mentor then and now he is my, now, we, now we're competing against each other. Uh, the faction he belongs to, do I think he's going to win? I hope he does. Because at least it's a younger function. It's a younger faction. But what I really want is I want to beat all of them. I want to, I want to beat him and his faction and the other faction. I want to take them all out. Uh, but do I still have a relationship with him? Uh, to the extent that it's uh, you know a relationship outside of politics, yes. But a relationship in politics, no. I've got no. We're now in different political parties, and I have every intention of taking them all out in the next election. All right. Like um, he does me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, um, thank you, um, AC, for your time. Um, good interview. I really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, to all our listeners, um, thanks for listening. I, I, I always say it's good to have people and have these conversations, especially when you disagree with somebody. Because mm-hmm. I'll say, I've, if you listen to some of our previous podcasts, I've had very few kind words for, for, for some of the things that you've done. You know, <laughs> no, I, I, I have not. No, that, 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 that business. AC actually called it out on one of his uh, Facebook things, and he says, "Sure, can we just, you know, people have amorous relationships, and those things happen." So can we focus on the issues? Oh, because you and, know, yours is floating around. Hey, okay, sure. <laughs> oh, oh, but, but uh, just quickly, guys. So. Can, <laughs> Just so you know, it's, it's not that I haven't heard what you guys have said about me in your last podcast. Because no, yeah, fair every, every time you make a podcast, I've got one of the kids under me who calls oh, do you know, so sure, he, sure, he, sure. He, he thinks he can dig into you now. This <laughs> Charamba guy thinks he can dig into you now. But the reason you see I never respond to either you or anybody else is I understand that you don't know me. So you only know what you read that was written by somebody else who also didn't know me. And I've always said you don't microwave trust. You know, trust is built over time. When we speak like this, the next time we see each other on the street, it's like, hey, can I buy you a beer? So over time, can I get to a place where I trust you and you trust me? I'm, I don't have a problem with people liking or not liking me. I mean, I don't wake up in the morning and think about that. I, I just have a problem with people who close the door and say, so I'm never going to talk to you. As long as we are willing to talk to each other, at some point, we will find something we agree on. We might agree that the same girl is pretty. We might, we might agree that the same girl is built nicely. But... You know, those who hate me want, want to be me, you know, and those who don't like me probably want to be with me. I, well, what you want me to say? I'm sorry. It's, it's painful to be this class. Why wouldn't you want to be like me? Man's, man's, man's is about a drop of freestyle. Is it? 
we we have a rap podcast <laughs> if that's your thing it's called keep it real friday so you can come and drop some bars on that thank you thank you so thank you so much for your time and thanks for everyone for listening this is um keep it up guys. And beyond on capital 263 yep uh um, where can people find you online just to you know yeah so on facebook i'm acie lumumba uh my public facebook page is lumumba 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 you say it three times so you don't have to forget it uh my twitter is at the lumumba playbook so is my instagram at the lumumba playbook otherwise you can find me in 2018 pushing for young candidates to get into office so you can wait 11 to 12 running years running in epworth or, or you can wait 11 to 12 years and you find me running for president oh all right thanks thanks so much ac all right, right. guys cheers and now, and now. capital 263